0: We'll Welcome to Episode 3 of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Preparis, and with me as always is my co-host, Brenna Calvert. Brenna, you want to say hi? Hey.
1: Yep, hey everybody.
0: Now, this is the second time we're recording this because uh, I wasn't recording the first time, so we're going to have to redo the first couple minutes we had of our conversation. Anyway, if you were listening to the music on the way in, that was by Mark Capaldo and Madison Ambush. Uh, he's one of my friends that I had growing up that used to be in a band, so he gave permission to use some of his music. So if you like what you hear, go ahead and head over to iTunes and download some of the songs. Uh, we're going to be talking about Logan Nagel and the selection today. Uh those of you who watched it on the History Channel or maybe have not watched it, you may want to f- watch the last episode before you listen to this recording. There will be spoilers, so yeah, that's just a heads up for that. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Atomic Climbing Holds. Atomic Climbing Holds are great for improving your rig capability or if you're training to be a rock climber or ninja warrior or any OCR athlete, uh, they have something great for you. Brenna, what do you think of Atomic?
1: Oh, man, I swear by them. I actually have had trouble and issues with rigs um, recently and here lately. <laughs> so I am honored to be sponsored by Atomic Climbing Holds with Conquer the Gauntlet Protein. Um, but I would recommend going to them. They have everything from wall holds to pull-up boards to different shapes of balls, cones, You name it that you can hang from. Say you want to make a home gym, hang them from your ceiling. Um, Also, you can use them at the gym, uh, interchange them on rigs. There, get your practice in one way or another, and you will not have an issue with rigs this year. Also, good for you know ninja stuff, not just OCR. So definitely check out Atomic Climbing Holds.
0: Yeah, if uh, if you do end up placing an order from them, I would definitely head over to their discount section. Sometimes they have free stuff when there that you can add to your order with. uh pretty good deal Yes,
1: make sure you check that out
0: (laughs) i forgot to last time i ordered
1: yes likewise missed out on the good stuff
0: anyway uh today we have logan nagel most of you know him as number 19 from the show the selection on the history channel i know him from the strength and speed developmental team which i met him over the last year and got to know him he also finished third at a hardcore mud run has won a couple of noob Sanities events one of the permanent course facilities in new york and he finished 15th at World's Toughest Mudder, covering an awesome 80 miles. Logan,
1: welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Congrats on um, World's Toughest Mudder. That's amazing. That and obviously on the selection, because that's what we're here to mainly talk about. So. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Yeah, that was Logan's first World's Toughest too, which is very impressive. Such a high distance. That's, that's crazy. That's awesome.
2: Thank you.
1: So, um, Logan, the main thing here, um, we wanted to talk about the selection, the History Channel's TV show. Um, some might not have seen it yet. Please, can you briefly just describe for us what exactly the basis of this TV show is? You know, what are what are people going to be seeing? What's the synopsis of it?
2: Sure. Uh, the selection is a social experiment that was put on by the History Channel, it takes 30 civilians with no military experience and puts us through different uh, training courses and different uh, experiences that our six instructors would have gone through during their selection processes to become special operations soldiers. And it's testing to see if we have the ability to carry on and push through, adapt, overcome if we have that mental toughness and that mindset and that brotherhood to, to actually make it through some of these challenges that our brave men and women overseas have made it through to get to the point that they're at.
0: Wow. Amazing. You did obviously did a phenomenal job. You're one of the four of the 30 people, 30 people started, four people finished. You're one of those. Yep. Uh, So the, I I think the, the things we're trying to draw out of this, out of this lesson here is mental toughness, right? Because, this, this is not what I would describe as OCR it's what I would describe as ace assessment and selection events which in my definition covers things like go which have several different distances from light to heavy to selection there's um, go there's a death race there's a gogi there's these kind of non-standard almost adventure race type runs that kind of test you through various mental and physical things um, so with that being said really looking to draw out some lessons of mental toughness that we can apply to OCR, both in your training and in your racing.
2: Mm-hmm. It, uh, it certainly was by far the best and worst thing I've ever done. And just, by and away, there, there's nothing I can even compare it to in terms of difficulty and just the amount of stress that was placed on the mind and body and emotions. It was it was in a league of its own.
1: Can can only imagine I've never been through anything quite like that. Um, I'm almost out of my element in this episode, which is amazing. I get to learn and kind of feel like an outsider and almost a listener too at the same time. But um, I've watched the show, but briefly tell us what like what's your background in these events? I mean, leading up to the show and applying for it. Have you done go rucks and death race or anything like that, or was you completely green going into it?
2: I was I was about as green as they come.
1: Uh,
2: <laughs> I really have no background of athletics until recently I, I always grew up really heavy set and uh, I went to college and instead of putting on weight like most individuals I lost a ton of weight and uh, I did that with the help of one of my buddies in the ROTC he was trying to get me to get in shape to, to join him so uh, I had a little bit of the experience of what he went through I was able to to see some of it but nothing that would even compare to any of the uh, ace events or the selection or anything just just like a, a, a taste or a view. Um, the closest thing I've ever come to rucking is uh, my sister has an 80-pound punching bag that she never uses. And so I take that out and do hill sprints, and occasionally I'll do a mile or two with that on my shoulder. But that's that's <laughs> the absolute closest I've ever come to putting weight on my back and trying to go distance.
0: That's insane.
1: Wow.
0: <laughs> the first time I did a ruck, I, like, I remember walking away from uh, you know, the exercise in that morning being like, that was seriously one of the worst things I've ever done. Because like, I did it with a group, and they were they were moving out at a pretty good pace. So the fact that you could go in there green and just kind of, <laughs> and kind of crush it is, I mean, I, I'm like speechless over here.
1: Well, this, I mean, that's what I was going to say between crushing that and world's set is not being athletic. I mean, what <laughs> it's amazing. And what made you sign up for the show? Like why, who, how'd you hear about it or what was like, okay, I'm just going to sign up for this because I'm crazy.
2: <laughs> uh, a little bit of that. Um, Honestly, I, ever since I've started doing OCRs and such, I well, I like to consider myself a super fan. I'm constantly tracking how everyone's doing and what the results are. I'm, I check all the different forums pretty much every day. And uh, after uh, I saw people like Hunter and Cassidy start winning shows and whatnot, I started seeing different applications come out and occasionally they'd get thrown out on Mud Run Guide or Obstacle Racing Media or other sites like that. And uh, going into the early parts of 2016, I had, my 2015 didn't end so kindly for me, uh, in my personal life, I was a little, uh, upset, and was just looking for something different, and to, to leave my general area, and to try something new, and saw that, and to be honest, it, uh, I was, I was treating it a little cocky, it said that it would, uh, if they were looking for the best, it could break people down, and I said, yeah, okay, I mean, I've never really been broken, so I doubt it, and <laughs>
0: <laughs> Decided to throw awesome.
2: my name in the ring. <laughs> wow! So,
0: before we kind of get into a little more deeper onto the selection, so Brenna, let's talk about what what background do you have in this type of stuff? Have you done a Greenbrae Challenge or a Go Rock or any of that those things?
1: Um, so the I guess the closest would definitely be Greenbrae Challenge. Uh, for those that don't know, it is a variation of OCR kind of hybrid. Um, Mark Ballas is the owner and race director for that, uh, Army Ranger, and they put on these events that it's like it's started originally, I think the first event was team. So it was a team of four, and it's basically a mix of rucking and different team-based military-style obstacles in a way. They weren't necessarily like walls or monkey bars, but more of – um like a yoke, a pole that you had hanging sandbags from that you had to carry as a team and say like carry it a half mile and then you put it down and there's certain ones you had to assemble and actually you know how to, you know how to tie knots and assemble a contraption that would move something from point A to point B. Um, so I signed up and I did that as a team, uh, did a girls team and won that. And Atlanta was actually amazing at this Guardian Center, which was like used for the CDC training of, evacuations and things so there's flooded cities and i mean it was amazing but it broke you down and it was the first thing i'd ever done i love heavy carries and moving heavy things so i thought i'd breeze through it and there were moments where i did but then i mean just the teamwork and having to deal with like height differences and things with care it was just crazy but amazing and i fell in love with it So I did, I've done a few of the team ones. And then um, I just recently did in December, my first 24 hour event was Greenberry Challenge Behind Enemy Lines. And it was actually similar based off of the selection. And it was like a four phase event. And we had a ruck and then carries. And then we actually did survival skills. And then we were paired up in teams and had like a mission. So that's basically all i have but i'm definitely intrigued and i'm kind of one of those people that like you said look like i just want to push my limits and try something new and get out of my comfort zone and um i filled out the application i think for the first season but never heard anything and then now after watching it i don't know <laughs> i don't know if i'd honestly want to go through that <laughs> but i mean i guess yeah. talking about that and evan you asked me i know a little bit more details on you but not too much um you obviously have had a little background. Tell us what your background, for those that don't know, for rucking or military-style events or lifestyle.
0: Yeah, so as far as civilian-type events, I've done I've done a, the go-ruck, like the basic, the light one, This the one that's like eight hours, fairly uh, easy. It's like 100% completion rate. I've done a Green Beret Challenge once before, and obviously as a military veteran I've gone through a lot of very fairly difficult training courses. So a lot of the stuff on the show, you know, I've done the – not to, like, try to take it away, but like, I've done the real versions, which are different. And they – you know, there's oh, some no, aspects that are harder, and there's some aspects that are actually easier, which um, we'll talk – we'll get into the the podcast uh, in a little, bit, a little bit later. But I feel like I may hurt some feelings during this because I have – like, I, I have very little sympathy for people for, you know, when they – uh when things get tough. So that's kind of my, my disclaimer up front. And obviously, yeah. Logan, your feelings aren't going to hurt, because you, you went out there and crushed it. Uh, but
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and it, it doesn't take away at all. I mean, the the level of respect I have for you and the instructors who have gone through these, and uh, even uh, my friend there I was talking about, he ended up being a pilot. So, like, our SEER episode, he went through all of that. and mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine just the amount of respect I have for you individuals is that is immeasurable
0: well thank you I I appreciate that um what were your initial thoughts when you arrived like I I know you said you were you were feeling pretty cocky going in uh like how quickly did that last and kind of how much time did you have from you know you I guess you flew into the airport and showed up you know was you stay in the hotel a couple nights or you just kind of show up and jump right into it what was the uh kind of the process there
2: yeah, they uh, they actually took forty finalists for casting to Los Angeles, and the we got in a, a van right out of the transport. That was my first flight ever, and so that was kind of new. And uh, I get in the transport van, and the first thing I hear when the doors open is this this uh, lady, and she's talking over everyone, and she she's great. Uh, it's number twenty seven. And she's telling people how she got in trouble on Broken Skull Ranch for actually choking another woman, and they had to like pull her back and everything. And that, that so instantly, any perception I had of who was going to this event was just blown out of the water. I was I was like, oh, <laughs> step back, Brenda.
0: Did they tell you not to choke people when you were on Broken Skull?
1: Yeah, we weren't allowed to choke people. <laughs> so okay. apparently, yeah, that's a no no. <laughs> uh,
2: but uh, and so after that, the. There, the we uh, we sat down in the hotel and they went to hand us our key cards and they pulled them out of the pile and the first name I see right next to mine was uh, Ryan Kent and so again any any thought I had of being overly confident or cocky went away so fast it, I couldn't believe it. I was like okay now I'm am I in the right class am I showing up with the right people <laughs> and uh, we got through casting. Uh, people give me a lot of grief about the, the headband picture on the show. Um, there was eight or nine males that were blonde between 20 and 30. There were seven obstacle course racers, and out of the 40 finalists, I was the sixth individual from New York State. And so if that headband is the only thing that put me, uh, like, my picture on the top of the pile, I was going to do it.
0: <laughs>
1: got to yourself up one way.
2: That's a good technique. I'm impressed. I like it. Yeah, they uh, – I think they uh, enjoyed that, too, during the interviews. Um, but showed up uh, after casting. We were The 30 of us were crammed into two vans and uh, had our heads put down, and we were driven to the site, got out, unloaded our stuff, uh, and got a little bit of an explanation of the rules, and were told to hit the, hit the uh, sacks at 1230 in the morning. And we were told to be ready at attention at 0600, and so we uh, we were ready that morning and stood. And the instructors never came down until about 9:30, but we uh, the whole time we were standing there. I kind of knew that they were going to do something like that or that it would be expected. And so I I I'm preparing myself for whatever beatdowns to come. And I, I'm kind of looking around and seeing other people's reactions and. I, I'm, not to be judgmental, I'm looking, though, and I'm placing myself above some and still trying to step back from others, and the the cockiness went away after about eight or nine hours of the, fir- the first beat down there.
0: Cool, yeah, I think that that's pretty normal. You know, whenever you show up to these, uh, these type of events or schools like that, there's, you're always, or even a starting line of a race, right? I mean, you're always comparing yourself to the guy next to you or the crowd. You're like, okay, I'm better than him, not better than him, and kind of seeing where you fit, but, um, you know, if that was true for these type of events, we wouldn't need them, right, because the thing that's going to separate people is the ability to persevere when things seem impossible. Um, You know, if you could just do a physical fitness test for these military special operations units, and that would determine who's on the, you know, who makes it and who doesn't, then that's what you do. Like, the reason we have them is because it, it really tests that mental capability. So... I mean, obviously you proved you're, you know, in in the top tier of those people that showed up, so.
1: Real quick, for the show process, um, did you have a lot of time, like, once you knew you were going to be on the show, did you have time to crane, like, do some extra training and get your, I don't know, your athleticism up? Or was it like, okay, hey, you're on the show and we're flying you out tomorrow. I hope you've been training since we last talked type of thing.
2: Actually, I nearly I nearly crushed myself going about it all wrong. I, I found out that I had a chance to be a finalist with about four weeks before they told me to be ready to fly. And so my first thought was, oh, you know, a chance to be on TV, I'm going to Los Angeles for the first time, I've never seen the ocean, I should lose a bunch of weight, I should look shredded and look good. And, and so I spent the next better part of three weeks doing that until we finally got the participant packet about ten days before we left. and. I read through it and saw what was coming, and uh, instantly it was like, "Oh no, I did this all wrong." And so, over the last <laughs> ten days before I left, I started trying to lift as heavy and just spend as much time under weight as I could. And I, I knew I had the running endurance currently, and so I was just getting as much weight and eating as many calories as possible, knowing that I was I had really hurt myself off the get go. <laughs>
0: Oops. <laughs> And four weeks is just enough time to worry you without really being the ability to change anything. Because like, if I was training someone for an event like this, I would write them like a four-month training plan, and the last three weeks would be tapering. So they they, they really gave it to you pretty hard there. That's
2: that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the first time I noticed uh, how much I had let, eated, how much I had been eating and added extra calories and whatnot was that second episode on the ocean day when they're showing and everybody's got ripped abs, everything. I'm so pale and white and just pudgy looking in the front. And I was like, yep. Okay. I definitely added some warmth. I'll take it.
1: I mean, geez, between all the episodes, just that one stuck out. I remember when it was, I guess the canoes were over your head and he was talking to you when you said that was the first time you'd seen the ocean. I'm just thinking like, Oh man, is he ever going to want to go back?
0: (laughs) It's funny you bring that up because so, you, you know, I, I knew you from the Strength and Speed Dev team. I didn't know you were going on the show until after you had already gone. Actually, I found out while you were there. I had talked to Jarrett, Newby of New Sanity. And when we're watching that show, you know, I'm, I'm like, I hope, I hope he keep, you know, I hope he doesn't quit. I hope he keeps going. I hope he makes it. Blah 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 blah. And that, when they asked you about the ocean, that was the moment where I knew, I didn't know you were going to finish, but I knew you were going to do well because they asked you what you thought of the ocean, and you had enough you were feeling good enough where you responded, it was like almost sarcastically. It was like, what do you, you remember what you said?
2: Uh, I said, it's exhilarating instructor.
0: Right, yeah, and he's being like, (laughs) you're smoked, you're wet, you're cold, you're covered in sand, and, you know, that's how you respond. And I think, that, to me, that speaks a lot to your mental, to your mindset, because you're, you're feeling miserable, but you're willing to, you know, it's a little bit of a jab at the instructors, and, uh, you know, it shows some. It shows that your mind is still in it, because someone who's who's not feeling well or like legitimately thinking about quitting will be like, you know, get some. Be like, yeah, you know, I'm. T- yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what they'd say, but yeah.
2: Yeah, no, for those who know me, that's actually how I speak usually. I I, I try to keep a well maintained vocabulary. But, uh, <laughs> on top of that, I and I had recently said this in another interview as well, and so i, I got to watch myself. I don't want to say it too much, but I had never seen the ocean, and so some of the excitement had just made it so, even just getting hit by the waves and whatnot and the immersion. <laughs> I'm a cold-weather person. I love the snow. I love the cold. Uh, it doesn't bother me too much. And so that was so exciting, it almost made it fun, and I was trying all morning not to smile or let that show. Um <laughs> The uh the zodiacs were horrible. I didn't realize just how heavy those things were. That so at that point I was getting a little smoked and I was I was giving it back to him a little bit with a bit of a smart smart aleck answer there, but uh it it probably was my favorite day. That's wow. Crazy. Yeah. Jeez.
0: So out of the out of the people who showed up, how do you think like you know, before before you actually went and started the process, how do you think you ranked physically out of the thirty? On the thirty,
2: me. I would put myself on just overall fitness combined somewhere just above fifteen. There were some serious, serious athletes out there. Some really, really fast people. Some very, very strong individuals, and some people who just their coordination, their skill, their their whole package is just far beyond anything that probably I'd ever be able to achieve and just most of my athletic ability or whatnot comes from being stubborn and having the ability to put my head down and just run with it and so I'm looking around and trying to to figure okay I know I got to give a hundred percent but I'm not going to be first and I'm
1: not going to be last. With that said talking about physical you said like just putting your head down and going with it how do you think you ranked mentally once you kind of maybe like a day in or after seeing people, were you thinking, okay, I've got this mental at least part over everybody?
2: Until, uh, until day three where we had to do the extraction and I, I kind of let it get to me there. Um, until that point, I had thought that I was probably mentally stronger than everyone but 11. Uh, from the moment we showed up, Christian just, everybody kind of got that feeling about him yeah but at that point, I'm looking around, especially like on the ocean and uh or even during that the uh what they called the shark attack that first uh beat down there. I'm looking around, I'm looking at the other people, and I can already see some people who are not giving hundred percent and some people who have the look of horror in their eyes and so at that point, I'm kind of like yeah i'm I'm doing great i'm doing and then day three got kicked right in the teeth right to the ego, and it was that was enough to bring me back to earth. <laughs>
0: It's funny you say that. So a lot of the, you know, when I've gone through similar stuff, a lot of times I'll draw strength from you draw strength from weird places. Like, like I'll feel bad for myself, and then you look over and see someone who's like just looks terrible. I mean, they look like they're dying, and you're like, well, I feel bad, but not as bad as that guy, you know. And if, <laughs> yep. and if he can make it, if he's still here, then I, then obviously, I should still be here. And other times you draw strength from someone who's looking strong. Like, hey, that guy's. That guy's not complaining. He's continued to persevere. So, look to them to to draw strength.
2: Yeah, it, uh, both of those certainly came into play. There were times throughout the entire show where somebody would drop or somebody would be really close, and it's like I know I can. I know I can outlast them. I know I can go five steps further than them. And so that's what I got to do right now. And then there were other times where I was hitting just the lowest of lows that I think I've ever been at, and I'm looking over and it's like, wow this individual is half my size or this individual is more than twice my age and they're still they're still pulling weight like i i, I got to be able to do that i can keep up with them they i got to i got to sh- to stick up to them and, and show i can do it and so
0: mm-hmm. both of
2: those certainly were there
0: you know with with this being a uh, kind of a mix of you know you had rangers green berets you had seals there they really pulled in a little bit from every selection course so you really got like a smorgasbord of of stuff there uh, that being said, what, for you, what was the, what was the hardest and what do you think was the easiest event that you had to go through?
2: Um, the easiest, like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to get torn apart if they ever, if the instructors <laughs> ever hear it. Uh, the easiest is definitely, I, the, the cold and the, the surf immersion and such. I, like I said, that's I'm more of where. i
1: to interrupt and let you know now that I know a personal friend that knows some of your instructors, so, um, <clears throat> I can make sure they do this for
2: you. They're going to kill me.
1: I'm pretty uh, sure
0: Donnie Bowen's house is like 10 minutes from mine also.
2: All right. (laughs) He he gave Fear a new name the first time I saw him actually demonstrate something at full speed. I had to, like, wipe my eyes and check and make sure that I had actually seen his hands move. Oh, it was – yeah, that was horrifying. But uh, so actually a couple times during the the drown-proofing day there, I actually was just – I was getting a drink of water or watching whoever was in the pool, and they kept yelling at me to get back to the huddle and share my body heat. I'm sitting there, and I was like, oh, oh, crap, everyone's freezing. (laughs) Um, But uh, the hardest part for me, um, the two hardest things that I would say actually came back-to-back for me. Uh, I have absolutely zero aggression. I'm not very good at at getting worked up or, or angry at things. And so the combatives day and trying to to do that, I, I was by far the worst person left. I'm so glad they didn't have me uh, spar with three because I would have lost, and it would have been really funny. Um, <laughs> that three is the female, uh, correct? Yep.
0: The last female that was left?
2: I would have had 60 pounds on her and still been pinned, and it would have been terrible. <laughs> and, uh, but the other hardest thing was just the uh, – I melt in the heat. I really, really – disliked the heat a lot and that day with the boxes it was so hot out and everything was terrible and I actually it wasn't shown on the episode um but I was one of the last people in the box in the heat of the day and I had to physically dump my goggles because there was so much sweat in them that they were filling and I was losing my vision and getting woozy and I just remember getting pulled out of the box and Uh, getting ice on my neck and head and uh, groin and and being laid down in a puddle of water and briefly there at that point one of the instructors actually ripped my patch off and then slapped it back on I don't know entirely what was going on with that I don't know if it was just falling off or if they thought I was done or quit or if I was supposed to be removed I I'm not 100% sure but it was that that messed with my mind so much and made the next few days just incredibly difficult to go through mentally.
0: I'm not a big fan of the heat either. I remember on that episode, they actually showed a couple of the guys, like, shivering. You know, and they said it was a super hot, but I guess they were putting, like, ice cubes or something on you guys to cool you down?
2: Yeah, we would uh, we would occasionally get ice water thrown either on our uh, on our heads or on our groin- groins, and I, we were blindfolded. We never knew when it was coming or anything, and so all of a sudden, just ice cubes and water and everything. And so some of the guys would get really cold, and they'd be in their mind a lot, and they'd they were really shivering and having problems watching it. And uh, after about the first time they did it to me, I realized, okay, this is purely to to keep us at uh, equilibrium. And so at that point it became more of a comfort.
1: Hmm. Wow. Well, I was going to say, no wonder we've never met in person because you like the cold and I love the heat. So I stick to, like, the hot region. (laughs) And you probably stick to the cold region. Oh, definitely. (laughs)
0: So we uh, the last episode just aired uh, or last week, and it looked pretty cool. I mean, you had that final FTX. You jumped. You did a helocast. Um, my favorite part <laughs> of that episode is when they announced what you're doing that you're going to have to helocast into the water, which means you know the helicopter hovers low. You jump out into the water, with all the road to wash and stuff. Was you were smiling so big, but like trying to hide it when the when the instructors announced it. It was it was cracking me up. It
2: was that was actually. Uh... They didn't show my face before we got in the helicopter. I had only just gotten in my in a plane for the first time, so the helicopter scared me to death.
1: <laughs> and uh,
2: I'm also not a huge fan of heights. And so when we got in the helicopter, the first thing the other four guys uh, who were left said, maybe we're going to get to jump out of it, we're going to get to do this and that. And I, I'm sitting there, and I go pale as a ghost. I'm just staring out the window, like, please, please let this thing land. And, Boy,
1: I, I, I know Christian and Ryan, so I can just imagine, like, their, their, their they enthusiasm. They were
2: and shaking each other and slapping each other, and I'm sitting in between them trying not to, like, just try not to shake.
1: <laughs>
2: and uh, they actually, when they saw the Helo cast, um, my family picked up on it real fast. That was kind of my, I'm scared and I'm trying to hide it, like, grin. And so they were laughing at me the whole time that was going on because I was watching with my family the final uh, episode there. And I was telling them, they, the instructors, they looked at me and uh, Instructor Capone goes, you look like you're going to have a lot of fun with this 19, so we're going to make you go first. (laughs) And... uh, I actually, all the different camera's angles made it look like I hesitated, but when I went to jump out of the helicopter, as soon as he took his hand off my shoulder, I was in the air before I could take a breath because I knew if I hesitated, I would have stopped. And I was just telling myself, you can't quit at this point. You cannot do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you made it all that way. You better get out of that helicopter.
2: (laughs) I was about 10 feet in the air, and I'm starting to think, oh, no, what did I do?
0: It's just like uh, the cliff at World's Toughest Mudder. The people who stand up there and, like, wait, staring out into the water i think it makes it 10 times worse like I just me walk, every lap <laughs> was it really I, I just walk up and i stand like maybe five feet back from the edge and the second he tells me i'm good i just run off like i don't i don't hesitate i don't do anything
2: i could have just, saved,
1: like, just jump in go quick
2: <laughs> between my uh i think it was nine nine laps or ten laps i hit the cliff no it would have been nine um between my nine laps I am pretty certain that I could have saved about 25 to 30 minutes off of my time if I had just gone and taken the first step instead of sitting there on the edge.
0: you got to make your body move before your mind knows what's going on.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, same thing goes for jumping out of helicopters, jumping out of planes, all that stuff. Don't think about <laughs> it. You just do it. You'll be all right.
2: Uh, I'm okay with that for a while. We'll see the next time it happens.
1: Oh man, see, I'm I'm dying to go skydiving. Like that's what it's on my bucket list. Maybe for my thirtieth birthday this year, that's what I'm gonna do. But like, I'm I want to jump out of a plane, big time.
2: <laughs> I wish you luck. I'm just, I'm gonna stay here on the ground.
1: See, I've flown my entire life. My dad's a pilot, and then I got to ride in a helicopter when I won Battle Frog, South Carolina. They like actually took the winners in a helicopter ride. So, again, we're complete opposites. <laughs> but like that, that to me was exhilarating. <laughs>
0: Uh, back when Battlefront was crushing it and just dropping cash like crazy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and yeah, that's why they're not around. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, go ahead. Are you just say, do you have to take off?
1: Yeah, actually, I was. Yep, that's what I was going to interrupt. <laughs> um, I do apologize, everybody. I just got back in town, got to go pick up my puppy dog, so. Um, uh, Thanks for having me and Logan. It's been amazing chatting with you, but um, you guys carry on. I'll miss you. And um, thanks. And I will check you, check everybody for the next podcast coming up.
2: Thank you very much. Hope to meet you soon. Yes, sir. Hey, Brenna.
1: Bye guys.
0: All right. So Brenna just dropped off the call. So it's just me and Logan. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about the final event. Uh, Talk for a couple more minutes and then start wrapping it up. So that final FTX, uh, again, I thought I thought that was that was done very well. I thought one of the things I liked about you is when they put you in the box. That's that during that last event, it looked like you went to sleep. Did you purposely go to sleep, or were you just exhausted, or you know, was that a thoughtful move, or what, what was the deal with that?
2: That actually it was thought out. We uh, we had been cycling through the boxes the entire time. They didn't show it, but that uh, the individual who picked us up from the beach had been uh, in pulling people in one by one in and giving a a more advanced interrogation, trying to get, like, what our mission was and what our objective and all of that out of us. And so we would keep cycling who was in the box with who and which boxes we were in. They were all different sizes and slightly different shapes. And uh, when finally they stopped gathering us for a bit, we started to try and get to the locks at the top, uh, like they showed uh, Christian doing, uh, number 11 there. Mm -hmm. And... uh, I guess what had happened earlier in the night was 11 and 2 were angry and they had kicked at it when one of the uh, captors went to re-screw the box and it bent it a little bit at the top. And so they no matter how tight the captors put it, they could they could keep getting their hands out. Uh, our box that 17 and I were in was too tight to get our hands through. Either that or our hands were too big. Um, but we, we couldn't get our hands through to the screw. Okay. And so 17 had actually said... We gotta kick the walls out we I, I wanna we're gonna break this, and I thought about that for a second, and I knew his legs were already hurting. He'd been saying for a day or two that they were going numb, and all I could think of was the the walls weren't exceptionally thick, and the I don't know what quality the wood was The worst thing in my mind that could happen is that we push back on that, and either our head like uh hits the back or uh pushes a nail out. Or uh, the wor- the worst case scenario, our one of our feet goes through and basically creates a one way trap, and so we can't get it back. Open to whatever creatures are out there, your foot's probably mangled and bleeding. And in in my mind, that would be the end of one of us right there, without even getting to attempt whatever was left. And so I I convinced seventeen to that we should let it sit and not kick it as much. And after that uh we when we started to realize that nobody was moving as much uh our box was separated a little further than uh 12 and uh 11 and 2 were so they could whisper back and forth we had to yell and when we heard that they were staying put for a while too i i decided okay i'm going to see if i can try and get any rust out of this
0: yeah it seemed like a good move and i like the fact that you'd thought through some of the second third order effects of you trying to kick through the box that's you know, most people would just think of the best-case scenario and not think of the worst-case. I think that uh, speaks a lot to your personality and thoughtfulness.
2: Thank you. It, uh, I was just so horrified. I, I There was no way I wanted to get pulled from whatever the next event was that we were doing. Uh, we didn't know that that was the final mission or that that was even coming up on the end. And so I just... I sat there and uh, I was thinking about it and my feet already were hurting and there was no way I was going to risk adding injury on top to, to make it any worse.
0: So did you know, obviously you didn't know that was the final event, but how long could the event have been? Cause they obviously had to like block off a specific amount of time for you, right? They couldn't just be like, you're going to stay here indefinitely. Like, yeah. What was the, how much longer do you think it possibly could have been another two days, another week, another month? Like, I mean, what's the, what did they give you when you were going through the casting process?
2: Uh, they told us to be available June 11th through July 11th. Okay. <laughs> and, and then come the to pr- find out, they uh, they weren't going to keep us much past the first weekend of July, so the second or third or whatever that Sunday was. But So it could have been a, a, about a week longer, but in our minds, we knew that, well, we had been told that we could have been there for another 10 to 14 days.
0: Yeah. So I think the fear of the unknown definitely plays a big part in this. You know, it's I think that's really harder. And I think people don't really understand that when – when you never know what's coming next, I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of people who have, you know, mentally get broken because they don't. They don't know what's coming next. They don't know. I, I don't think you guys had watches on most of the time. Is that correct? Uh,
2: a couple of us started with them. Production said we could have the watches. The instructors showed up, looked at them, and didn't like them. So they took all the watches away except for a pink one that they would make the class leader wear because they found it amusing. And so. The class leader had to shuffle this little pink watch that had barely an alarm function throughout us until the event was over.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I to me again that adds to the stress too because again you don't know what time of day it is. If you knew, if you want to know what time of day it is, you got to ask the class leader, and you know depending on how busy you are, that may be a pain in the ass. You know, so yep. Um, so the final episode, you guys are trucking along. You get to that final hill, and they you know they give you the typical. Essentially, if this never ends, it's going to keep getting harder. It's, there's so much more left. And 17 quits. I think it was 17. Is that correct? Is that his yes. number? Yeah. I was shocked. I could not believe that he quit. At the, after all that you guys have been through, the threat of more physical activity made him quit. And me sitting back here on my couch, I was completely blown away. Were you surprised that he did not finish the event at that point? Or was that um, at that point were you like, all right, you know, he'd been hurting for a while and that was just the kind of destroy that broke his back.
2: He uh I knew he had been hurting, um, but I know going into any of these events, um, I had actually completely different uh, scale that T V show American Grit or whatever with John Cena a few months before. Right. The the one girl in the beginning, uh Brooke Van Paris or whatever, who fainted and they had to cart her out. Watching that, going into the show, that was my mentality was, if I'm going to get pulled out, they're going to have to get the stretcher out here. And so going up that mountain, I I should have been pulled. They gave us those water bottles to urinate in so that they could check and make sure we weren't dying, and I hand it in, like, six hours. Wow. uh, I, you can see it in the scene where I'm laying down and talking to myself in the dirt, that there's just an absolute line in raw, like, just a four-inch line of salts across my sleeves and chest, and I had sweat out everything and was basically basically going delirious from the dehydration and heat stroke, but uh, I I was just climbing up that mountain. I didn't know who was in front of me, who was behind me. I was maybe a third of the way up the mountain, and Ryan ran past me heading down number 12 there, and uh, I got up and I guess I waited underneath that shady tree so long that the the medic ran up the hill to make sure I was still breathing because I couldn't get the mic out of my – or the – our we had a walkie-talkie in case we wanted to quit, and it was in our bag. And they – I guess they were radioing me to check if I was okay, and I couldn't – I didn't hear it, so I was never <laughs> answering it. And so they sent the medic running up the hill to come find me. Oh, wow. But I'm, I got down to the bottom of the hill and saw that 17 had quit – Um. Because eleven and two had told me on their way up, and he actually ran—not really ran, but kind of limped out of the uh, the van that they were trying to get him in to leave—and came over and threw his arms around me. And I was so dehydrated I couldn't make a sound or uh, tear or anything, but I was—I was pretty worked up at that point. And just—I I was so shocked that I, I didn't know what they had said if they had pulled him, if, what had happened. It just, I just—I just knew he wasn't there.
0: Backing up to one of the things you earlier said, I love that the fact you said they're going to have to carry you off in a stretcher. Because when you go into these events that are super hard, I think that's the mindset you need to go in with. You need to go, you need to say, I'm going to keep going until it becomes, you know, until, not until it becomes so uncomfortable I can't handle it. It's until I black out and someone carries me off the course. And I use the same mental attitude when I go into sort of any training event or World's Toughest Mudder. I go in there and it's like, all right you know, you can carry me off the course if you want to, but otherwise, other than that, I'm not stopping. So, I mean, I've been moving fast, but you know, I'm not going to stop.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I actually questioned my resolve on that at one point, um, after I got down off the mountain was on that final run again, about the same point where I was talking to myself about my heart rate. Uh, I started actually feeling like my kidneys hurt and, um, uh, I had stopped sweating maybe two hours before and, I had drank probably six gallons of water in the in-between and I just, I, I didn't know what was wrong with my body and eventually the hydration started again and I, about halfway up that mountain, uh, that last walk, I was able to start to to bring the heart rate down and feel like a person again, but it was just, there was a time period in there where I thought that they were actually going to have to <laughs> to get the stretcher and yeah, I, at that point I was kind of questioning, like, I, like, am I is this really worth it? Am I really doing the right thing? And I, uh, I guess I had to take a step back and go into autopilot at that point and somehow made it up the mountain.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's normal. If you're, if at no point do you feel like this is one of the worst decisions you've made in your life, that's probably, you know, you're, maybe you're not momentally there. Like that, that should happen at some point. You should feel absolutely terrible and want to quit. I mean, the the, the, question, the thing that makes a difference is whether you do or not. And I think your ability to persevere, obviously, shown through in this. The one thing I was waiting for the entire season for someone to say didn't happen until the last episode. It was, uh, number two, he said, well, we're just going to keep on going, and if they drop us, they drop us. And I thought that was, again, very – that's a very good mental attitude to have. Because when you look at the participant list, out of the 30 people – Twenty six didn't make it, and based off my count from watching the episodes, twenty four quit, one was med dropped, and one failed to meet standards. If I'm is that, that number's inaccurate, uh, I guess you can let me know. But
2: it, that's that sounds about right.
0: So, I mean, there was other people you could say um uh, wouldn't have passed the events, like they would have if they would have done the event again they would have failed. Um but they didn't. They didn't they the point I want to make is they self-selected. They decided that I'm not good enough. They did not tell the instructor. They didn't wait for the instructors to tell them they're not good enough. And if you're setting your own limits, I think you're setting yourself up for kind of long-term failure. You're never going to reach your maximum potential.
2: They they, they certainly didn't make it easy, uh, especially as the two things that the entire way through that the instructors and I, I'm sure I'm sure you're familiar with it but as soon as they saw too much confidence or as soon as they saw a weakness that that person was instantly at the top of the uh the hit list just either of those and and they pounced yep and so as soon as they saw that you were weak in an event or uh that something was going wrong they were they were putting every extra stressor they could on you like uh, the day i was made team leader i actually i after the tear gas in the ocean and everything i had uh, a sinus and bronchial infection. I had to take two rounds of uh, antibiotics to clear it when I got back, and uh, I had no voice. And they made me team leader. I couldn't even answer them to tell them uh, I accepted. Mm. I don't know how they got the audio from mm. that. They must have put a lot of work into it because for three or four days I couldn't speak.
0: Oh wow! You know, if you were if you were going to be the, one of the people who self selected themselves out, you know, you could have seen your performance at that uh, was it that team event where you were the leader and been like, oh, well, I didn't do so well. I should quit. Or I think you failed the rope climb, right, with the weighted vest? Is yep. that correct? Yeah, and I mean they were saying they were going to drop people basically for failure to meet standards, but you didn't. You kept on persevering.
2: Yeah, I uh, – it's actually – my mom says uh, – because I, when I finally told her I was applying for a show, she's like, well, if they ask your qualities, make sure you know they know you're perseverant to a fault. Mm-hmm. I, I've kind of always been that way since I was little. If I if I wanted something or if I it, it was something that was a goal of mine, uh, it didn't matter what the the cost was or what the the damage was that came with it. It just I knew I had to get it done. So it, it's kind of been always the way I've acted.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the type of people the you know special operations of the military is looking for. You want some be- people who are so stubborn and so have so much perseverance that even when something seems impossible. They are willing to say, all right, well, I'm just going to keep going until, you know, I hit mission failure. The kind of the extreme examples, the ones most people know from movies and from, you know, big stories is, you know, Black Hawk Down, right? The helicopters crash. They're stuck in the middle of Somalia and Mogadishu. You know, they can't go anywhere. You know, eventually they fight through the night. They're still alive. Their rescue convoy shows up. There's not enough room for all the soldiers who were staying there overnight. And they had to run out of the city the last couple of miles. You know, at any point, those guys could have qu- – you know, if they would have said, I, all right, I quit, you know, there's, there's no option to quit there. Um, yeah. And the same thing goes with the other kind of the big high-profile one is, the, you know, the bin Laden raid. Uh, helicopter yep. goes down. You know, you're stuck in the middle of Pakistan. You know, reinforcements are very far away. So it's, it's really not an option. So that's the – I think that's what they're looking for overall.
2: Yeah, and it just, I mean, what we did, it was probably the first event in my life where I was ever comfortable saying, okay, I I finished or accomplished something that other people might not have been able to, but even at that, with everything we've been through and the stories and the the way they talked to us and explained things, we knew that we were nowhere near the actual level or the actual experience, and so... None of us ever had that confusion, or none of us were ever trying to say, "Oh, look, I, I've been there, I've done that." But we just—it's—it's it's hard to explain just how much of a different perspective and how much respect we came out of that experience with.
0: Yeah. So I think the when you look at the, you know, the all these events were kind of pulled from the various selection processes. When you look at the individual events stacked up one against one the ones in the actual courses are harder. So, example, the drown-proofing. You know, in the real one, you I think you have to bob for a while, then you do, like... You actually swim... or you do, like, a 50-meter swim with your hands and feet tied. Yep. Then you start bobbing again. Then you're supposed to do a front flip. Then you're supposed to do a back flip. Then you're supposed to yep. retrieve uh, goggles with your mouth. Yep. So, you know, the actual task for the SEALs or the uh, combat divers that have to go through that is harder. But I think... What people, again, the fear of the unknown plays a larger part in your scenario because most of the military selection courses and processes, they change, but they don't change drastically. Um, so guys going to them generally have an idea of what's going on. They don't know the order of events necessarily. They don't know how far the movements are going to be or how many hours of sleep they're going to get. But it's a, you, you kind of have an idea versus you guys went in there and it was just like, it's a fucking crapshoot. You don't know what's coming. So, I, I do give you guys a lot of credit because the variety of tasks you guys had had to spend, you know, covered stuff that the SEALs go through, stuff covered stuff the Green Berets go through, and covered stuff the Rangers go through. Kind of all mixed match into one big event.
2: Yeah, and it was, it was really exciting to get all the different perspectives and all the different stories and... Uh, just the six different instructors for as similar and cohesive as they were just instantly and it it definitely comes from that brotherhood that they've all gone through that that same level of experience and uh, for lack of a better term that same level of Mm hell, and just they were each very very different and they had their own perspectives and ways to to go about breaking and building and teaching and so Every time that something changed a little differently or came up a little differently, uh, we got to see a little bit of insight into what, the way they processed and took it, and it, it really helped out in some cases, and in other cases it made you just kind of look at the individual and be like, Are, uh, what? How, how in the world do you expect us to think like that?
0: Interesting. Uh, and I think some of that's reflective of their communities, so the each of those communities has a different stereotype associated with them. So I think you you probably got a little bit of each stereotype plus a mix of their own personality. So you probably got a, a nice uh swath of the special operations community there.
2: Yeah, they, so, uh, it was really exciting and I just remember all the time hearing the uh the army guys talk about the the seals and their hair products and listen to that.
0: Yeah, that's that's 100% accurate. <laughs> that that stereotype is a hundred percent true i i will i'll, I'll back that up gotcha uh, anyway uh so this is based off your experience there would that is it likely to join the military or you know more interested in joining the military
2: that's a it's a very hard question for me um in when I was in school I was doing r o t c for a term and i just I felt as if I was doing it for the wrong reasons uh, because my friend was trying to help me out with my financial problems and I felt like if that was the only thing that was motivating me to do this, it was wrong and not something that I should do because I'd be a liability. Um, and then after going through this experience and and getting a new perspective on it and, and a new respect for everything, I, I'm certainly more interested and... And I, I give a lot more credit. I'm a, i I'm certainly more intrigued, but at the same point, I, I realize where, where my weaknesses are, and they're they're big, and they're part of who I am, and it's hard to overcome. Like my my lack of aggression, and my I hesitate, I I freeze, and those two things alone is such a major liability if I were on the line with somebody Mm -hmm. that that that's enough to make me think not of me, but of of the guy next to me. Like, I, I don't want to be a fault for them. And so I'd be interested, but I, I know there's a certain line that for me personally, I would be more, I would be more of a liability than a help.
0: Interesting you say that. So I think, you know, I think everyone, obviously everyone has their faults and you know, the guys who, so the instructors look – they look awesome, right, because they're – they went through selection a long time ago. They're, they've been, they know what's coming. They're physically fit now, and they've had those life experiences. You know, some of that's developed over the course of, one, the training cycles you'll go through, and then, two, the deployments you go through. So as you go through more deployments and more training cycles and uh, more processes and stuff like that, you, you, get, you transform. You'll become a different person. So I'm um, not, not trying to do a recruiting pitch online – But I will say, (laughs) you know, I will say that if you think the guys who run the selection programs come into the programs like, quote, unquote, perfect or don't look like dog crap going through it, then, uh, you know, it's just not true. You know, everyone, everyone looks like crap when they go through ranger school. Everyone, everyone's falling asleep, standing up. It's complete. It's a complete disaster in there. So um, a couple more questions and then we'll, yeah, we'll wrap it up. So, you know, as people quit, did you did you still think about them, or did you did you kind of reflect on that, or you know, what was your thoughts as people were quitting and you were still standing there?
2: Um, there was a there was a few that uh, that got to me. Sometimes I'd see individuals quit or leave, and uh, not to be honest, like not to be rude or anything, I I appreciate everyone who was there. It was they they're a good group of people, but sometimes the individual would leave, and I'd look, and I I either just kind of didn't think about it or just was like, okay, all right, and I I knew that would be roughly where the line was and just kind of went, and then other times, uh, I'd look, and there was an individual who wasn't there that I I didn't realize wasn't there or was somebody who I thought would go further, and, and some of those were they rather shook me, or or I was going through something mentally similar, and then I, I got spared, or not necessarily spared, but I got a, a little bit of a reprieve because somebody else beat me to it, that that thought of quitting. like uh, The one that I'm specifically talking about there was uh, the day that 3 quit, and I, I don't think that the show uh, that was on TV entirely did it justice. Um, when 3 pulled off her patch, not only had we done – Uh, morning pt and then the two rucks and come back we had been doing the uh the different push-ups and whatnot inside of our barracks for about 15 minutes 20 minutes instead of the three on camera and then we went outside and dunked and we were going through a grinder for a good 15-20 minutes of just very very high stress and everything and uh i mean she she was out there a long time before she pulled that patch and on top of that they had given us, they told us to go rest. I had had been so exhausted, I fell right into a deep sleep and got woken up half out of that and dehydrated And Nothing was working. My mind wasn't on. I was all sorts of stressed and messed out and just completely in the wrong frame of mind for that beatdown at that moment. And that was probably the closest I ever came to pulling off my own patch because I just, I couldn't realize and couldn't, get myself to settle down at that moment being half awake and cramping and Mm -hmm. dehydrated and just so utterly exhausted from pushing that run as hard as I can. I came in that first or that uh, second ruck when we went right out and did it again in the heat. I was right behind, uh, right behind Ryan for that. And sometimes that was a bit of my ego trying to keep up with him. And other times it was me trying to push myself. But in that case, all it did was break me down. And yeah. And so in that case, Three quitting really messed with all of us, but it it kind of gave me that that second to breathe and almost gave a second life in that respect. Hmm.
0: So what I found is some of the you know uh, courses and stuff I've been through, and you know, when people quit, sometimes it you know they think like, like oh well I'm just going to quit because that's a personal decision I'm making, but it, it's more than that because so there's only so many there's a finite amount of instructors and a finite finite amount of candidates. And to me that every person that quits, that's more one on one focus. Which to me makes it a little more challenging. So the as you get down to those smaller numbers, I think that, you know, each person suddenly becomes exponentially more important because they're, you know, deflect when you're in a large group you're everyone's kind of deflecting the you know, the focus around versus when there's four of you. There's there's yeah. not there's not many places to focus on. You know, it's you or the guy next to you
2: definitely the the hardest time period was that those few days between when we were at uh i think it was the the evasion and then the seer exercise that they did with us started when we had fourteen people and it really didn't change until there was five of us left in those four five six days in the middle, whichever it was those were by far the hardest when they had. When they had about one instructor for every two of us or or it was just about one-to-one and they were able to really just pick at everyone that, that was by far the hardest time period.
0: Yeah. it. Uh, I, I like one of the things you said earlier, again, uh, kind of rehashing it. You know, it's kind of about the guy next to you. So, you know, when things get bad, a lot of times you can look to the person next to you, like I said, for strength. Or, you know, you can be like, all right, well, if I quit, then... The guy next to me is going to get screwed because now, you know, maybe now maybe we still have to carry the same amount of weight, but now it's spread out. But there are only you know four people instead of five or whatever it is. Um, so one of the last things you said on the show was uh, I came looking for answers about myself, and but I walked away. and I'm going to paraphrase here, uh, basically with so much more. Yep. So I think that kind of I think that was a great kind of ending for your your segment on the on the series. Have you heard anything about a season two? Because I know I'm sure there's listeners out here that are very interested in applying or... Um, yeah.
2: I have not heard anything solid on a season two yet. Uh, I've heard a couple of rumors, and so I'm not sure the validity of them, and I, I wouldn't want to spread anything false. I know there was a casting advertisement a couple months ago for season two, but they were waiting to see how the, the ratings and the... Uh, feedback and everything from the first one was and so i i can't say with any great certainty uh, anything about season two yet but i can certainly say that the idea has been tossed around considerably
0: cool well i guess uh keep following the ocr pages and well i'm sure we'll see some some announcements at some point whether there is or is not a season two uh for those of you who are listening to this and want to know more about the uh, actual selection process, some of our special operations soldiers go to, there's a couple of good books you can pick up. Dick Couch has written several books that in detail explain the selection and training processes of like the Navy SEALs. I think that one's called Warrior Elite. Uh, special Forces is called Chosen Soldier. The Ranger one is called Sua Sponte. Uh There's also several TV show shows and documentaries that cover the event. So Discovery Channel Put one out about buds, uh, basic underwater demolition school, or seals that you can find online. Uh, making surviving the cut. One of, I think there was a History Channel show. I'm not sure, but they they cover a lot of the selection events. And then a Discovery Channel also had one called Two Weeks in Hell that outlines special forces assessment and selection, uh, which is not actually two weeks. Sometimes it's three, which is kind of interesting. Anyway, that kind of wraps up the show. Uh, Logan, is there anyone you wanna specifically thank or sponsors you wanna plug, anything like that?
2: Uh just I appreciate everything you've done for me with the Speed and Strength Development Group and uh all the help that you guys have given me. Uh as always my friends and family at Noob Sanity. Uh definitely uh seventeen two, eleven and twelve. Uh those guys I'm in constant contact with and guys uh, they've helped me through a lot lately and so, it, it, even with the stuff we went through, it's a, a, a real little brotherhood there.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. I'm, I'm glad you had that great experience, and glad I've gotten to know you over the last year. Uh, if anyone wants to hear more, I actually wrote a great article about quitting. That's going to be on Complete Human Performance. It talks about some of the stuff we talked about in this episode. I and mean, I'm obviously I'm biased because I wrote it, but I think it might be one of my best articles ever. So make sure you check that out once it gets published. You uh, either follow me on Facebook or follow my Strength and Speed page, and I'll make sure I share that. Uh, my The uh, first Conquer the Gauntlet race is coming up on Houston on March 25th. So if you're in the Texas area or you want to travel to a race, I highly recommend that. Logan, you got any races coming up? Or is your first race of the season?
2: Uh, my first race is this upcoming weekend. Uh, I'll be up in Shale Hill, Vermont, for the 8-Hour Polar Bear Challenge. Awesome. Um, the week after, I will be at... Uh, Noob Sanity's Frozen Four doing the bathing suit race and then I will be at the Spartan Sprint at Greek Peak and the following hurricane heat that evening
0: Awesome, well uh, not sure I'm going to be at any of those but uh, hopefully I'll see you at some point this year and if not we'll definitely see each other at World's Toughest Mudder Thanks oh, again for coming on the podcast
2: <laughs> Yeah. No problem, thank you for having me
0: Alright Logan, I'll uh, catch up with you later
2: Thank you, take care I'm